Home of the Man God, Book 1, Number 20, From Jerusalem to Zechariah's House. We are in Jerusalem. I know the town very well now, with its streets and gates. The first thing Mary and Joseph do is go to the temple. I recognize the stable where, Mary, where, where Joseph left his donkey on the day of Jesus' presentation in the temple. And now he leaves the two donkeys there after feeding them, and then he goes with Mary to worship the Lord. When they come out, they enter a house which apparently belongs to people they know. They take some refreshment there, and Mary rests until Joseph comes back with a little old man. This man is going your way. You will not have to travel a long way by yourself to get to your relatives. You can trust him because I know him. They get on their donkeys again, and Joseph goes with Mary as far as the gate. It is not the, get the one they entered, but a different one and they part there. Mary proceeds with the little old man, who is as talkative as Joseph was silent, and takes an interest in many things. Mary answers him patiently. In front of the saddle, she has now the little trunk which Joseph's donkey had carried earlier, and she is no longer wearing the large mantle. Neither has she on the shawl which is folded on the trunk, and she is really beautiful in her dark blue dress and white veil that protects her from the sun. How beautiful she is! The old man must be somewhat deaf, because Mary, who is wont to speak, speak in a very low voice, had to speak loudly to make herself heard, and now he is tired. He has finished with all his questions and news, and is dozing on the saddle, led by the donkey that is familiar with the road. Mary takes advantage of this respite to collect her thoughts and to pray. It must be a prayer that she sings in a low voice, looking at the blue sky, with her arms crossed over her breast, while her face is bright and happy because of some internal emotion. I see nothing else. And even now that the vision is interrupted, as it happened yesterday, I am left with Mother near me, visible to my internal sight, so clearly that I can describe for you the light, rosy hue of her cheeks, not very chubby, but gently soft the bright red of her little lips and her clear blue eyes sweetly shining between her dark blonde eyelashes. I can tell you how her hair, divided into two on the crown of her head, falls softly with three undulations on each side as far down as to cover half of her little rosy ears and then disappears with its pale shiny gold behind the veil covering her head because I see her with her mantle over her head wearing a dress of paradisiac silk and a dark mantle, as thin as a veil, of the same cloth as the dress. I can tell you that her dress is tight round her neck by means of a sheathing inside, which runs a cord that ends, the ends of which form a knot in front at the base of her neck. Likewise, her dress is gathered at her waist by a thicker cord, also of white silk, hanging down her side with two tassels. I can even tell you that her dress, tight as it is at her neck, and waist forms seven round soft folds on her breast, the only ornament of her very modest garment. I can inform you of the chastity emanating from all her aspect, from her so delicate and harmonious forms which make her such an angelical woman. And the more I look at her, the more I suffer, thinking of how much they made her suffer. And I wonder how they could have no mercy on her, so meek and kind, so delicate also in her physical appearance. I look at her and I can hear once again all the shouting on Calvary, also against her, all the mockery and insults, all the maledictions shouted against her because she was the mother of the convict. Now I see her beautiful and tranquil, but her present countenance does not cancel the memory of her tragical face, 
during those hours of agony, or that of her desolate face in the house of Jerusalem after Jesus' death. And I would like to be able to caress and kiss her cheek, so delicately rosy and soft, to remove with my kiss that remembrance of grievous tears, as she certainly remembers, as I do. You cannot believe how much peace it gives me to have her near me. I think that to die seeing her must be as sweet and even sweeter than the sweetest hour of one's lifetime. During the time that I did not see her thus, all for myself, her absence was a great sorrow to me, just like the absence of a mother. I now feel once again the ineffable joy which was my companion in December and early January, and I am happy, notwithstanding that the sight of the torture of the passion casts a veil of grief on all my happiness. It is difficult to explain and make you understand what I feel and what has been happening since February the 11th, when in the evening I saw Jesus suffer his passion. That sight has changed me completely. Whether I die now or in a hundred years' time, that vision will always be the same in intensity and consequences. Previously, I used to think of the sorrows of Christ. Now, I live them, because one word or a glance at an image is enough to make me suffer all over again what I suffered that evening, and be horrified at those tortures. And I grieve over his desolate sufferings, and even if nothing reminds me of them, their remembrance tears my heart. Mary is beginning to speak, and I become silent. Mary says, I will not speak much, because you are very tired, my poor daughter. I only wish to draw your attention and the attention of readers to the constant habit of Joseph and mine of giving priority to prayer. Tiredness, haste, worries, occupations never hindered our prayer. On the contrary, they helped it. It was always the queen of our occupations, our relief, our light, our hope. If in sad moments it was a consolation, in happy ones it was a song. But it was always the constant friend of our souls. It detached us from the earth, from our exile, and it raised us up towards heaven, our fatherland. Not only I, who by now had God with me, and I had but to look at my bosom to worship the Holy of Holies, but also Joseph felt united to God when he prayed, because our prayers were a true adoration of our whole beings, which melted with God by a-worshipping him and by being embraced by him. And please note that not even I, although I had the eternal God in me, not even I felt exempted from respectful homage in the temple. The deepest holiness does not exempt anyone from feeling a mere nothing with regard to God and from converting such nothingness into an endless hosanna to God's glory, since he allows us to do so. Are you weak, poor, faulty? Invoke the holiness of the Lord. Holy, holy, holy. Invoke the blessed Holy One to assist you in your misery. He will come and instill his holiness into you. Are you holy and rich in merits in the eyes of God? Invoke the holiness of the Lord just the same. It is infinite and will increase yours. The angels who are superior to the weaknesses of mankind do not cease singing their sanctus, even for an instant, and their supernatural beauty increases with each invocation of the holiness of our God. Imitate the angels. Never divest yourself of the protection of prayer, which blunts the weapons of Satan, the malice of the world, the incentives of the flesh and mental pride. Never lay down this weapon. 
which causes heaven to open and pour out its graces and blessings. The world needs a shower of prayers to be purified from the sins that draw punishments from God. And since only few people pray, those few must pray as if they were many. They must multiply their living prayers to make up the necessary amount to obtain graces. Prayers are living when they are flavored with the true love and sacrifice. My dear daughter, it is a good thing, pleasing to God and meritorious, that you should suffer because of your sufferings of my Jesus and mine, in addition to your own. Your sympathetic love is so dear to me, but do you want to kiss me? Kiss the wounds of my son. Dress them with the balm of your love. I suffered spiritually the pangs and scourges of the thorns and the torture of the nails of, and of the cross. And likewise, I feel spiritually all the caresses given to my Jesus, as they are as many kisses given to me. And then come, I am the queen of heaven, but I am also the, always the mother, and I am happy.